We are nothing if not highly attuned to our sense of podcasting obligation. Here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and here to lead you through our transfer window, summer preview, let's get the hell out of Dodge into the beach episode series finale, season finale. We'll say season finale, I guess. Uh, I needed a beer and I had some friends over the weekend come by to help me clean out my garage, a little bit of spring cleaning, even though it's almost June. And one of them brought by a variety pack from East Rock Brewing Company in New Haven, Connecticut. And the nice thing about this variety pack is it was an amber lager or Vienna lager, a regular lager, a vice, and what I am drinking, the Pilsner. So no weird IPAs, no pale ales, just stuff you want to drink when it's warm and like today, a little unpleasant. The beer itself is a bang average Pilsner, but again, exactly what you want, exactly what you need. Uh, Could use a little more ABV to talk about Wednesday, but we will soldier on. And soldiering on with us first in New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. Um, I have a old fashioned made with the Woodford Reserve. Uh, it's my first time having Woodford Reserve. Actually, no, that's a lie. I had it about half an hour ago. Neat. <laughs> it's uh, it's very nice. It's um, it's all was... one. It's all one time though. It's <laughs> yeah. It's first it's night evening, having Woodford yeah. Reserve. Um, I've had a quite nice evening actually. I, I've had a quite a nice few weeks not talking or listening about Sheffield Wednesday. So um, I was kind of dragged kicking and screaming on this podcast, and and I'm looking forward to it now. I had to have a few weeks off to kind of decompress. <laughs> yeah, not, not the actual podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> I had to have this this time to kind of decompress. Uh, and now I'm uh, in a better frame of mind. So we'll see how this goes. Always in a good frame of mind when it comes to Sheffield Wednesday. It's James Allen. James, what are you drinking? <laughs> I can't even oh, say that yeah. with a straight face. Usually, I'm pretty good at getting through these with uh, without breaking character, like I'm on SNL or something. But Jeff, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like the most positive Wednesday night around at the moment. Well, uh, mostly because, like Paddy, I haven't really been talking. We're going to review Wednesday the preseason moment. predictions where you were also the most positive Wednesday night around. I know that this, this will probably come back and bite me in the ass again. But um, what am I drinking? I'm um, I'm I'm celebrating being out. I'm out of the closet. Um, I'm out of my apartment. I'm back in the office. The other week I drove up to, for the day to Vermont and um, I guess in a reasonably cliched way, I got myself a few cans of Hedy Topper. <laughs> so I am uh, I am drinking yeah. Hedy Topper tonight, which for the uninitiated is an 8% um, New England IPA, but it's a fairly famous one from, uh, from the northern end of Vermont from Alquist. And it is super hoppy and exceptionally good. So uh, a hoppy, happy podcast, right? Well... On this podcast, and I don't know what episode it is, as the document title that you're all looking at conveys, we are going to review our preseason predictions. We'll cover the Wednesday news, and we'll look forward to a year in League One. On that ominous note, we'll start with the preseason preview review. So, <laughs> preseason preview <laughs> review. Yeah. Preseason review review. So for people that aren't, <laughs> this was your idea, really Patty. Long time listeners. Let's just go back to the beginning of last season. I feel like about twenty years ago now. Before, so just well, to be clear, we're reviewing the preview or we're reviewing <laughs> the review. 
<laughs> so we always make predictions at the beginning of every season. And I thought we usually go back to those predictions at the end of the season to see how we did. Um, and uh, that's that's before we go and look forward to League One, <laughs> that word didn't come out very well. Um, we thought we should finish the last season off. And we didn't want to do a full season review because that would be too painful because it was painful enough reviewing it every week. Uh, so we thought we'd finish off if the you last want season. A review <laughs> of the 2020-2021 season. I encourage you to go back and listen to the 30 hours of the podcast <laughs> we already recorded covering that train wreck. Also, I well, I haven't even attempted to listen to the different gravy the last two weeks. Like different gravy put out two, I think two hour episodes. So I think they've got covered between them three three hours or four hours of season yeah. review. Because they are way more committed to this than we are. Because we were literally on the beach as soon as that final whistle went. Well, let, let's just be honest. There's, there are people in the world who are into sadomasochism, and I welcome that commitment. <laughs> That's not our kink. For the rest of us who aren't quite so much into bondage and uh, and kind of you know whipping ourselves and self-flagellation, let's just look back on happier times. August yeah. of last year, right, Jeff? Yeah. Let's I not kink shame. Let's not kink shame. Mid September because it did start late, as you recall, uh, James. But whenever it was, a very long time ago. The, so what the, I did, Jeff, I, I I went back to last. I went back to that first episode of yes. this season, and I scored everybody. Mm, I and I've given that. you, I've given you the results. I'm I'm trying to explain it, Patty, but you keep interrupting. <laughs> so yes, we did a series, Go away, host. We did a series of predictions, and we will review said predictions now on the podcast. Uh, we do have three of the four. Justin is not here. He was the fourth participant. And the first question, and most important question, of course. Where does Wednesday finish? James was indeed the most optimistic of the group, predicting 17th. Justin and Manny both predicted 18th. Uh, I was closest without going over. I predicted 20th. So I guess that is a point for me. Uh, Wednesday finished 24th, which would be last in the table. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If, if, wait, if Darby gets a point deduction, do they go up to 23rd? Mm, and how much point deduction they get? Well, because they're only, I don't yeah, I guess it depends. I think they ended up three points behind Darby, but. Either this way. Is a, a wormhole we probably don't need to. Yeah, we don't need to spend can, too much time on this. Can, Di- can Darby still get relegated, or is that just academic? I mean, I assume nothing is going to come of it, but who knows? It's the EFL. What else are they doing with their time right now? They'll probably put them into next season's, if it's a, if it's a site point deduction, right? If we're right. to if we're the precedent where they put us into the next season, then that's going to happen with Darby, I assume. Speaking of Darby, we all did some predictions on who would get promoted. <laughs> I'm going to build up to this one. Patty predicted Brentford, Watford, and Swansea. Uh, if you've got one, you're going to get two. You're locked in. <laughs> got one. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brentford against Swansea in the uh, playoff That's final. not bad. That's not bad. I'll that. Uh, James picked the exact same teams, but also added, don't sleep on Stoke. As it turns out, you could sleep on Stoke. <laughs> Most people do. Uh, Justin did not sleep on Stoke, predicting Norwich, Brentford, and Stoke. So he has one in the books. So he can get two. Uh, I got two. I cannot get a third one. I did successfully predict the auto promotions, Watford and Norwich. And I think, I believe I said uh, Darby will finally go up through the playoffs. They did not go up through the playoffs. So I, I got two. I got both autos, but I, I will... Uh, at best, tie with Patty and possibly. Tie I think you've predicted Derby to go up for the last ten seasons now, Jeff. I mean, I guess I can't do it next year unless they get <laughs> relegated on points deduction. 
So I don't think we'll be doing championship uh, predictions next year. I'm guessing. Stop. You can in your own time, Jeff, but this yeah. is not a championship <laughs> podcast anymore. This is it a is league one. <clears throat> of course, the relegated teams. <laughs> I will say everyone got at least one because everyone predicted Rotherham. Patty predicted Luton, Rotherham, and Reading. James predicted really Luton, bad. Rotherham, and Coventry. Justin got two. You got Wickham and Rotherham. Also, see QPR. I mean, QPR weren't good. But better enough. than usual. Yeah, I guess. And I predicted, I, I mean, as I always do, I predicted Millwall. I will not again not be able to predict <laughs> Millwall next year, sadly. Uh, Rotherham and Luton. Luton. I guess we all didn't really like Luton, and they were fine. Like they weren't good, but they were fine. They're mid table. Yeah, they were. They it was not hard to be mid table this year. No, you could put true. in a few performances, string together some wins, and you know, do all the things that Wednesday couldn't. There's a lesson for us here. Mm. Two things. One, it's always fine to beat up on Rotherham. Uh, <laughs> two, we shouldn't pick on a, a team to make our kind of favourite relegation cannon fodder because they'll end up biting us in the backside and, uh, and ruining our season like Luton did at half time. So, uh, yeah, that one came back. I can't believe that only one of us picked Wickham too. And that was Justin. I think it was incredulous at the time thinking why none of us picked Wickham other than yeah, I don't know. him. I guess, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any good answer. I don't remember any of this. So, I always I think I was rooting for Wickham to be a plucky kind of underdog and do like what Luton have done. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's why my excuse. <laughs> Who would be Wednesday's leading scorer? You'll be shocked to learn that Patty picked Jordan Rhodes and fifteen <laughs> goals. One of these years. Also, maybe in ten years' time, next year. Also. <laughs> Will not be predicting Jordan Rhodes as Wednesday's leading scorer. Justin also predicted Rhodes and I said 12 to 13. I didn't know you could predict multiple goal totals, but uh, James predicted someone we haven't signed yet. I don't think they actually signed another striker or really. I guess Andre Green. If Andre Green had bagged 10 goals, he did not. He might have made it. Did Don't they add any other players? Didn't Patterson at that point? Didn't Patterson it, it, sign a little uh, way into the season? I'm not going back to check this. <laughs> the dates and when we record the podcast made that you're not allowed to do that answer ever again <laughs> <laughs> uh and i predicted this one correctly as well i predicted josh windass and 10 goals that is a great call out because not only did, did he finish up score he scored 10 goals well, too right i mean i i wasn't like there's no skill involved here let's be clear before we get too carried <laughs> away jeff also predicted derby to get promoted so you know <laughs> Does he get minus points for that? What would be the yeah. most what would be the most Wednesday thing to happen in the season? Patty predicted Rose to score fifteen before Christmas, gets injured, leaves on a free. Well, he is leaving on a free. Uh, he did get injured. Point. He got injured and left on a free. He didn't score fifteen he, goals. He, he had like a little kind goals. of black eye, didn't he, when he signed for the spin? Yeah. True. I reckon I get half a point for that. James, do you remember what you picked? <laughs> I have got no idea, Jeff. Uh, I mean? Gary Monk to get poached after successfully storming the league. <laughs> <laughs> he did sign for Sky. Um, yeah. <laughs> poached. Can we give James I don't know if losing points, to though. Rotherham and Wickham count as storming the league exactly, though? Uh, and I predicted that they would get to the round of 16 in the FA Cup, beat Sheffield United, and then lose to a League One team. 
which I thought was a cheeky prediction. It did not work out that way. They just lost to Everton. When will the points deduction be gone? <laughs> Patty said it would be Halloween. We'll beat Luton, Wickham, and Rotherham and get to zero. <laughs> Uh, oh jeez! Are you watching Wednesday, Paddy? <laughs> that was the fucking third eye. That was woo. Uh, James said mid October. Justin said October eighth. I said October twenty eighth. It was November fourth, and only because the actual points reduction deduction was reduced by half. <laughs> Nick DeMarco QC. Round of applause. Uh, and because we are, uh, we have a little bit of banter. When will Steve Bruce get sacked? Uh, Steve Bruce, as far as I know, is still manager of Newcastle United for some yes, reason. He is. Uh, who he was got just manager linked... of the month last month, right? Someone who was just linked to the job recently, like a big uh, international. Was it Roberto Martinez or something? But he's still there. Uh, Patty said Halloween. I said February 21st. I think it's the one where I like, looked at the fixture schedule and tried to figure out what it was going to be. And uh, James and Justin both get a point because they thought he'd make it the whole season. Wow. So the final scores are Patty with three, Justin with four, James with three, and me with seven. Wow. Well done, yeah. Jeff. I think if Josh win that 10 goals pushed you over the edge, but I mean, it just shows you how optimistic we were at the beginning of the season, right? Yes. Extremely optimistic. We were at the high, the best prediction here was finishing 17th. Paddy, as I've already remarked, I predicted that Tony Pulis was going to keep us up. I was still optimistic in December. Hmm. <laughs> I, I was. I've, <laughs> I was it's town. been disaster after disaster, doesn't it? I was out of town. We recorded after the derby game. The thing that struck me about it, and I watched. The, I got up at seven a.m., plugged in my laptop, made a cup of coffee, watched the game, and it was the most. It was an extremely typical Wednesday game for the first hour or whatever. We've watched it all this season, and and they got the they actually clawed back the equalizer. And I got the third one. I mean, two of these goals were probably offside, but whatever. And like, I actually am like, I can't believe I fucking care about this now. They've dragged me back. I, I can't believe I actually am like, get a little, like, I'm a little nervous. And I, I didn't, I really legitimately did not think Rotherham was going to lose. And of course they have the penalty as soon as Rotherham concedes an equalizer. And they, they, you know, they really don't do much in the last 10 minutes. And it struck me that like the whistle blew. And I just went about my day afterwards. Like there was well, no actual lasting that, effect of it. Yeah, I, I had a very crass analogy, which I'm going to keep to myself. Um, it's not particularly pleasant. It was like the air going out of a balloon from a great height. And um, once the air's gone out, you know where that balloon's going to land, right? And we all knew where it was going to land when it came to it. The um, the fun part of that was uh, on the the derby game. I don't, Paddy, have we told this story yet about how uh, how the derby game played out in the football factory? <laughs> I think I might have alluded to it, but let's cover it again because it's it's quite funny. It's it's brilliant. So uh, you know, literally, we we go and give away that penalty, and um, and obviously Derby uh, Derby equalised, and um, <laughs> seconds later we saw Rotherham score. So we we never had that moment of hope. It was completely removed from us. But I guess for everybody else, there was like fifteen perfect seconds where we were staying up right before whoever it was, Jay Dunkley, um, hacked him down in the box. But yeah, we were kind of we were suffering from a, a, a delay on the uh, on the video, so we never saw it. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all kind of sad. 
So that's uh, the 2020, 2021 season. Let's never speak of it again. That's sad. We move to the Wednesday news. And Wednesday released their retained list this week. Um, it's a very short list. <laughs> uh, the only, they picked up the option. It's, I, I think Hutch had some sort of option that vested because of the amount of games he played or something. Whatever. Sam Hodgson will be back next year. They picked up auction, uh, options on Hunt and Brennan and have offered Urgehide a new deal. Uh, these all seem like, let's talk a little bit about Hutch. Um, you know, I think Hunt and Brennan will be useful players at League One, and they're the kind of players I would have gone out on. I think I made a joke in the WhatsApp group that, yeah, normally would have just uh, loaned them out to a shitty local League One Yorkshire team, but now we're that shitty local League One Yorkshire team. So that's where they'll be playing next year instead and probably getting a fair amount of first team action. Uh, what do we think about Hutch in League One as sort of the anchor of the central defense? Look, if you'd asked me when he came out from Cyprus whether he would have had the half season that he had and we'd still be playing with him uh, the season after, I would uh, be extremely surprised by that. Uh, it just so happens that we were so bad that actually Hutch kind of stood above the parapet almost and did enough, really. I won't say he was brilliant. I think we had terrible lapses in defence uh, uh, for most of that uh, season. Uh, but Hutch was adequate and did enough. And um, it seems like all these stories that we've had about Hutch being a bad influence in the dressing room, uh, same with Westwood, maybe it was true, maybe it was not. But at the end of the day, he's just been given a new contract for another year. So he, he, Darren Moore doesn't see that, or maybe everyone that didn't like that Sam Hutchinson's now left. <laughs> Hutchinson wins the argument and he's still there. He's like him and Bannon are the two remaining faces from the playoff season, right? Hammer. Who? Hammer. Who? <laughs> that guy. All right, him and Bannon are still the two remaining faces from the playoff season. Um, but yeah, he's kind of he's stood the test of time, hasn't he? I mean, um, that was the same as you, Paddy. I mean, honestly, when we signed him back, I was like, what, what are we thinking? But the fact that he, he played almost every game, right, from the point where we re-signed him all the way. I know he missed, I think he missed one, but he got more few, reliable than he got a few yellow cards, but it wasn't the sort of Hutch yellow card bingo we're used to. Yeah, he, he seemed to just mellowed a little bit. And look, if a player of his caliber and who, you know, clearly the club does matter, or at least kind of, you know, putting in a performance matters to him, can't be an asset to us in League One, then we're probably doing something wrong. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Um, you, know, I, you know, he clearly needs a club, and we need him. And fine. Let's do I don't it. mean to be particularly, you know, cynical about it either. But that's it, probably about his level now. Realistically, like he could be a good League One player, and he's obviously. I mean, he's been with Wednesday. Even through the playoff season, he was there even before that. He's been with the club outside of his brief Cypriot vacation for like seven years now. So I think there's certainly a a, a familiarity there. And like, look, it's. Uh, is he the ideal sort of person to lead that back line next year? I don't know. I think they will have to go out and get some sort of. So you see, that's where I'd take an issue. Help. You said, you know, do you keep Hutch? Yes or no, as the centre back. Now, I'm not sure that you build a defence around Sam Hutchinson, but having the option to drop him in central defence or to play him just in front of of a back three, yeah, I mean, I'm. I think he gives you versatility, right? Yeah. He's not your rock at the center in the heart of a defense, but he's sure. definitely and a good asset. 
it's possible that I, I think I think he gets exposed a little bit for pace as a central defensive midfielder in the championship. That may or may not be the maybe less of the case in League One. And also League One, you need someone occasionally to put in a hard challenge every once in a while. And we know he still has that uh, in his locker. I can see it being he's not a starter, but knowing us, we'll sign someone that's kind of youthful and kind of exciting, and they'll get injured in the first two months. Then Hutch will come in and do a job. <laughs> that's fine. Like you need squad players. Yeah. Whatever, uh, whatever I, level I you're at, play, I reckon play half the amount of games next season sure. through fitness, injury, whatever, uh, and it's exactly the type of player we still need at the club that still values what Sheffield Wednesday is about. A good player to have in the dressing room. Um, that all the all the cliches I'm going to throw at Sam Hutchinson is is a good player to keep in for League One. There's also like going to be literally very few <laughs> after all the players off the squad they're losing. Very few actual like veteran leaders in that. I thought you were going to say very few actual players. James. Well, that also that's also <laughs> true as well, James. Once you uh, once you remove those that will likely get brought or picked off by other clubs, yeah, yeah there's not a whole lot of kind of warm bodies left in Sheffield Wednesday Football Club right now. Is there uh, anyone that retained list that you think we should have retained? Anyone not on the list? So someone who we let go who we should have kept hold of? Oh, sorry, no. Anyone in that... So well, first of all, they call it the retained list, but actually it was a let go list. Anyone that, on that let go list that you would have retained... About Westwood. No, it's time. I, I'm okay moving on. Like it, he's a 37 year old injury prone keeper. You have to find the next. I don't know if Dawson or Wildsmith are the next guy, but you need to find the next guy. They're not, and we do, but it's not yeah. Westy for the next five years. So look, I mean, I think that makes sense. And he was on a high wage, and we could, I don't think yep. we could afford to keep. I him. think a lot of that does come down to it is uh, some of this is clearing the wage bill too. Went there and like what Westwood can find a fringe first team or, or strong backup keeper job at a high level championship club, probably because of his record and reputation over the years. You know, he can so go surprises the... in this. Do you think there's any surprises? Let's just let's go to the list. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll go each list, but so, so Van Aken, Harris, Kachunga, Tom Lees, Matt Penny, Adebayo, Pelopesi, Adam Reach, Jordan Rhodes, and Westwood. They've activated. Con- uh, contract extensions on Kieran Brennan, Hunt, and Hutchinson. Uh, Asazi has been offered a new contract, and Liam Charles has declined one. Izzy Brown, Jack Marriott's come to the parent clubs. Um, I don't think there's any surprises for me. Um, I'm a little surprised they didn't retain Penny. He seems like he could be an effective League mm, One left back. Uh, he hasn't kicked on. Like I think a player with his potential, even with his time in Germany, yeah. He hasn't shown the effectiveness at the championship level that would say it's worth hanging on to him if he can get back up in a couple of seasons. So I, I can understand why they let him go. Tom Lees is actually the one that I find interesting. I know he's injured, but I think you could make the argument that, you know, post-injury, he's still a reliable championship-level centre-back. And if they could have found a deal for him, I, I could have seen them like supporting his rehabilitation. But he, he was the only name, really. Everyone else is an absolute nailed-on. Yeah, that's got to work. Yeah, Tom Lees is a weird one for me. I'm kind of glad to see him go, as we've spoke about several times in this podcast. I'm not the biggest fan. Um, I, I appreciate people saying what well, a good servant he's been, just was hanging around. I mean, you get you get, you get kind of like applause for sticking around for a long time in the in the championship. And he stuck around. He's been decent. I think he's been 
if I'm being honest, an average centre half for us over the last six, seven years. Uh, he's not a leader, um, and I think he's just average. And I'm, I'm I'm okay with letting him go. He might have been better in League One, but I'm not really wanting to see him hang around much longer. Paddy, I'm not sending much emotion here. I'm going to flip it. <laughs> Talk to us about how you feel about Jordan Rhodes. <laughs> I'm glad you got me out of that fucking hole because I can't talk about Tom Lee's longer than five seconds without falling asleep. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, it's time for him to go. Yeah, I, I am done with it. I'm done with the whole obsession. I'm done with the experiment. I'm done with the uh, it'll come good kind of mentality. He couldn't come good. I think he, I think he had a good half season for us in his total of four years at Wednesday. <laughs> um. I just don't think he's got it anymore. And my my the initial criticism of if you give him a service, he'll score. I'm not entirely sure that's the case. And if that is the case, then he's gone to the wrong club in Huddersfield <laughs> Town. Um, and I would be absolutely amazed if he scores more than seven goals for Huddersfield next season. Is that an official prediction, Paddy? Don't even write that one down. <laughs> yeah, he's left. He's left Wednesday. I'm no longer predicting he's going to score 15 goals for us. Mm. Uh, Does that mean that you've removed the um, the picture of him that you keep in your bathroom? I still have a, I still have a Rhodes shirt. <laughs> so, look, to go back from when we signed Rhodes, I went to the first game he played at Hillsborough when uh, when all played as well. I bought a Rhodes shirt. I stood in the south stand uh, behind the dugout. Uh, I saw him score a goal. I saw him run into Andy Rhodes' arms at the end. It was fucking beautiful. It was a beautiful moment and there's full optimism. Sam Winall scored too. We won 3 0, I think, against Birmingham. Uh, and I was I was signed on from that moment on. I was already excited that we signed one of, my, one of the favorite players I've liked for a long time. But to be honest, it's been downhill since then, hasn't it, really? It's, uh, it's, it's been a big disappointment. And it's, it's going to go down as one of the, if not the biggest transfer uh, disappointment in Wednesday's history. Uh, certainly the biggest transfer we've ever had. Um, and just a complete meh. I mean, it all rolls downhill from there in a way. Like, this isn't Jordan Rhodes' fault per se, but that transfer fee led to them needing to balance the books, led to uh, Wednesday not being able to send a fax on time, and led to the six point deduction that ultimately relegated them. Yeah, I mean, you can't pin that on Jordan Rhodes. No, no, so but I'm just saying it's like. The decision to buy Jordan Rhodes didn't rest with Jordan Rhodes. The decision not to sell any other players to cover the cost of buying Jordan Rhodes didn't rest with Jordan Rhodes. Um, the decision to send the facts, definitely not Jordan Rhodes. Um, but it's Jordan interesting, Paddy, what you're But add a bit around the office. That, um, and who knows? Maybe he's a really good chief operating officer that we never had. Um, but like that goal against Birmingham, Paddy, that whatever it was, like January or February of what, 2017? I mean, that was kind of, that was the the winter leading into the spring when we were in the playoffs again, where he was part of the team that got us to the playoff semifinals against Huddersfield. So it almost worked. Like I, I'm, I, my, my thing with John Rhodes is kind of like, if that team had been successful, if that campaign had led, in Carlos's second season to us getting promoted, maybe it would all have worked. But there were so many things that went wrong from that point on. I think he was kind of part of a much bigger problem than necessarily the problem being him. Do we think that Urgehide actually resigns? 
Mm. I, it seems like yeah. he's gonna like. So, Wednesday can obviously offer him playing time. He would probably be one of the first names on the team sheet in League One, but I feel like there's a championship club that's going to be able to offer him the same. Yeah, I don't know if they'll get the same amount of playing time. Right. I think. I mean, the noise we've heard from the local press is that he he's waiting. He's he's reviewing the contract. He's not in a rush. Mm-hmm. Um. And he likes playing for Wednesday. I think it depends who's going to come in from because there's been interest from like European teams. Apparently, there's been interest from I think Watford as well, interested in him too. So I feel like it depends the offer on the tables, right? If we can only offer him so much at playing in League One uh, and maybe guarantee him a starting position, um, that's probably the strongest offer we've got. We can probably offer him like not much, like right, ten. It's a- Ten grand in League One. It's a tough decision in a way for a young player, right? You don't want to screw up this first move because you're like you can go to Watford and sit on the bench and not you only play cup matches and sort of atrophy or go out on loan to Birmingham and never really settle and never sort of move on. You know, you could argue that you know it would have made more sense if once they actually set up the championship, but he goes to League One and has a blinding first half of the season and some high level championship team pushing for promotion that needs a center back comes in in the spring for him and he he can shoot off from there and get promoted with them and and so on and so forth. So it's, it's a difficult point, but at the same time you can go to Wednesday and just, you you see what Wednesday do to good players and never reach the heights you would otherwise in that scenario as well and probably get paid a lot less than you would if you know i thought crystal palace was one of the clubs rumored and be interested in leeds was one of the clubs be rumored and like if a Premier league team comes in for you like you don't know how often that opportunity is going to come along as someone that got cut from wimbledon's youth squad right and you've got to look at the development opportunities too right so if you think about the personal development too you're gonna to get better coaches better training better facilities at a premier league club than you are at wednesday um, so yes, we might offer him playing time over uh, Leeds or Crystal Palace, but if you could, got the option to develop as a player through the coaches that they have, maybe a better loan system, it's no brainer. It's, I mean, it's, it's it's a shame, and we're probably going to lose him because I think the um, option of moving to a better club is is probably greater than playing time in League One. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think your question, Jeff, was does he sign or doesn't he sign? Look, the the retain list that was a release list took a long time to come out. Well, it's three weeks past the end of the season now, right? Yeah. If he's going to re-sign, he's going to re-sign now. Like, it's it's not like the elongated negotiation everyone thinks it is. And I think the longer it goes on, the less likely we are to see him in a Wednesday shirt again. One player we will probably see in a Wednesday shirt again next year is Josh Windass, who, despite interest from many championship clubs, has reiterated and his father has reiterated, he wants to stay with Wednesday. It would be a great signing. It, it, it was signing, but a great kind of deal for us if he does mm-hmm. stay. I, I would be surprised if he does stay. I think it's, if people start sniffing around us and start offering cash, I, I think it would be silly not to sell him um, uh, because I think he's worth over a million at least. Um, and uh, he's a good young player. Um, he's got pace, he can finish. 
you can play, I do you think play a couple different roles. Yeah, similarly to Regida, though, we could only offer him League One playing time and probably <laughs> right. a League One wage. Um, but Windass is the kind of guy, if he's like, it's like his dad. Um, swallow the arrogances that he's got and have a solid twenty goal season in League One, and then next year look at the clubs looking off and looking at you, looking at you giving you offers and stuff. That would be my only selling point. If I was a manager trying to say to him stay, he'd be like, get twenty goals in League One. Then you'll fucking go to the club you want to go to, yeah. Rather than ten goals in championship and relegation. Rather than going to credit, I mean, look, we've we've only uh, we've only got his dad's word for it in a provincial newspaper, right? I mean, we don't know how true any of that is. Sure, but the impression it could all be get, negotiating like, through the media too. Like yeah, your offers exactly, aren't good but, enough yet, so we're going to stay at Wednesday. Yeah. But if but if you look look at kind of the the litany of his comments over time, he he seems pretty happy in his football and enjoys playing at Wednesday now. I actually think we'd probably keep him on the same wages on right now. I don't think Wednesday are necessarily going to adjust that for League One because they they do have some funding capacity. The question of whether we're paying the wage as opposed to what the wage is is a totally different one. But let's just assume he keeps his money. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a there's a decent chance he stays with us. Um, so I'm 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 okay with that. Like you said, Paddy, he could be a real asset to us. Well, if they do send. Uh, sell Josh Windass. They will need to replace his Naus up front, and they appear to be interested in a very large replacement: the six foot nine Kyle Hudlin, who is a non-league player at Solihull Moors. Uh, what can you tell us about Solihull in the West Midlands, James? <laughs> uh, what can I tell you about Solihull? Um, it is it's part of that same kind of stretch of country that makes no sense to me it's like basically anywhere north south east and west of birmingham is is a confusing zone whereby people talk funny um the all the identities of the areas like blur into each other and they're all either aston villa fans or west brom fans occasionally they're a birmingham city fan but they're a very rare thing um i think they've got a sports center in solihull um, which is presumably where this very tall chap <laughs> came from. And um, I don't mean literally he didn't come from there, but maybe that's where he learned his trade. And now he's playing Sunday League and Wednesday are interested, which is the level to which we've dropped. We are looking for tall Sunday League players from the Solihull Sunday League. I will uh, mention that based on the picture or the photo of him in the star, he is skinnier than I am at six foot Can nine, we sp- so. play special tribute to the star's hard work on creating puns around that headline? Like, I know we occasionally knock their mildly clickbait um links on twitter but they really work very hard to say that it's a tall order for wednesday to sign him um that he might be a little bit above his station in sunday league um you know it's a stretch when they put him in league way than one yeah exactly (laughs) would not be that big a move he scored 10 goals for a non-league side but (laughs) on that note we'll take a break and we come back we will actually look forward to the 2021 2022 season As reported first on the first segment of this show, Wednesday will be in League One next year. <laughs> so, uh, how do we? I guess how do we feel about this as fans, first and foremost? You know, we—I don't, I don't want to call what we did in the first part of the show analysis per se, but it was a little more uh, quantitative, I guess, in, in in so much as we do things like that. But 
are we dreading it? Are we looking forward to it? Are we just don't feel anything one way or the other? Because I have to say, for myself, I find it kind of, I don't want to say refreshing, but like I've, I've, I said months ago, I made my peace with it. I'm actually okay with it, I think. Uh, I don't know if it will be the, the change the club needs. I'm less optimistic on that. But I think perhaps I, my, my mindset's shifted where I no longer see Premier League football as the be-all and end-all, as the end goal. You know, I think we saw this year that some of the Premier League teams don't even see Premier League football as as the end goal or being a good Premier League football team or, you know, winning games and earning your spot to compete with the best in Europe or whatever, however you want to, however you want to phrase it. Like the idea of sort of getting back to their roots as a community club. And look, you want, I'm not saying I don't want Wednesday to be good. I would certainly like them to be good. I would certainly like them to be better than they were this year. And that should naturally, in the in the course of events, lead them to moving up the uh, pyramid. But I'm okay with not sort of grasping for that brass ring, at least not worrying about it, and just sort of hopefully sitting down and watching, if not a better brand of football, a more entertaining and enjoyable one without all of that hanging over the club's head of the last few years, whatever it was, and just new players. New players we will probably grow to dislike, but <laughs> just it, 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 James pointed out in the first half, it's, it really was a complete clear out. We've been calling for the squad to be freshened up for, well, basically the entire history of this podcast at this point. And now it's happening more out of circumstance and out of a, concerted choice to try something different or re-envision the future of sort of the play on the pitch but i don't know i'm just rambling at this point it feels like i'm not like what i am all right i'm I'm gonna gonna rescue you from your ramble i'm just saying i'm looking forward to the next few months not having to watch wednesday football but i think by august i will be actually kind of excited to see what happens next so there's the word, excited, right? Now, I know this is obtuse, and I know it's probably as illogical as whatever it was I said in the uh, in the preseason previews eight months ago. But, yeah, it's a chance for a fresh start, right? I mean, whether or not the club takes it, whether or not we buy the right players, whether or not we form a, a decent squad or, or whether or not we have a decent season, it is at least a shot at us rehabilitating this ageing, messy, poorly run football club. And that's better than it just continuing to run itself into the ground. Like if we'd had another season of bumping around the bottom of the championship with the same squad that half of them clearly didn't want to be there and we're being paid too much money, there's no fun in that. I, but I can get much more energised by the idea that we might have a scrappy kind of half-formed squad that's coming together, starting to find a form of playing, maybe win a few games, maybe have a few kind of, you know, bizarre um, situations where we're playing Cambridge and Oxford and here and everywhere else. Like... At least there's something there. There's some, there's like a bit of a beating heart of a club beginning to emerge, or maybe um, the hope, the possibility that it does. That, that is better than you're me. right. The, you're, I think the point there is that that just wouldn't have happened in the championship next year. It would have been the same kind of half measure moves to, you know, maybe make a nod towards pushing for the playoffs because it's a championship. Anything can 
fucking happened in the championship, except Darby going up to the playoffs, as we know at this point. But that sort of that carrot would, I think, keep the club on the hook. And and the kind of player you'd be getting too, maybe a little bit, maybe this is my own naivete, but it's a little bit more mercenary in a way at that at that end of the championship too. It, it feels like they could, you know, Darren Moore obviously knows that league. He's managing that league and you would hope that he can start to like put an actual squad together in his image and play like have a have a style of football, basically. Have something to point to, something that might occasionally be engaging to watch. I mean, look, there's probably gonna be an absolutely dire nil-nil against Accrington Stanley on a rainy afternoon that we're gonna to have to talk about. Uh, the quality of play might not even be as good as it was this year, although I do find that a little bit hard to believe. But I don't know. It's just again, I, the novelty might wear off by September, but I do think that by August I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens next. I, to go back to the reason because of how I feel, um, I still feel like that. We didn't have to go down to get a reset. We we, we flirted with relegate. It's, imagine we survived. Um, we were in relegation the entire season. If that's not enough cause for a reset, I don't know what is. It so happens to be that we got relegated. Um, simple and good enough. Um, so we get the actual hard reset rather than a soft reset. Um, I think we probably would have let go all those players we let you go. You think? Because I don't think we would have. Mm. That's what I was about to say. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I think they would have looked at like, oh, Lees can do a job. Reach can do a job at this level. Like you talk yourselves into it at that mm. point because you need what you think is championship level players. When you don't need championship level players anymore, I think it does necessarily adjust your mindset a little bit. No, I think you got a point. I think you got a point. So in that case, if that was... If that was the case and we needed to go down to get rid of those players, I will take that bullet because I think we need to get rid of pretty much all of those players, like I said earlier on in, in, in the podcast. So, all right, I'll, I'll, I, I agree with you on that point. So we're going down to League One, we're resetting everything. Um, but for me, it, it still hurts to get relegated and I still feel like that obviously we're not a league one team we've been run like a league one team um I mean, we're playing sunderland and portsmouth so it's not like uh they're the only ones in that boat right now <laughs> right and and look at sunderland and portsmouth have been there for a few years oh, yeah. now it's so not easy. like i'm not i don't like my expectation level is not oh this is they're gonna bounce right back up because really nothing in the last few years has led me to believe that that's close to a given but i i'll say well i don't think they'll be in a relegation scrap in league one but mm, mm, yeah, I, yeah i wouldn't get too optimistic yeah Jeff. i think the good, the good news is though, that there aren't many wednesday fans i think that are kind of like oh we're the big guys we're going down right. we're going to be straight back up i think everybody has kind of read the script now which understands that okay we're gonna to have to scrap our way out of this for the third time in 20 years um that's the piece that kind of comes back to me. Like, so everything you just said, Patrick, I agree with, which is ultimately we need to reset. And if that means going down to come back up, great, fine. But how are we so 
poor at learning the lessons that this is our third time of asking of going down other clubs that have gone down yeah they've spent some time down in league one but they came back they didn't go back down and then go back down again like this is just a travesty of of mismanagement for a club over a quarter of a decade if if you if you want to take the negative slant on it the other slant though is to say well it is a chance to clear house it is a chance to establish a form of playing it's a chance to start to get the fans back on board. And, and there's so many things the clubs can do now. The club can do now if it wants to start to re-energise the fan base, you know, lower the ticket prices, find a way to re-engage the community, find, you know, ways to make merchandise more affordable, um, get more people in the stadium, make the fan experience fun with these teams that are coming through, you know, kind of re-energise the Wednesday away day when when fans are allowed back in stadiums properly. There's, there's a whole host of things that could go right if we choose to lean into it. We've just got to genuinely be positive and make the best of it right you can say that it shouldn't take relegation to cause a reset but sometimes it does take you know sometimes you need the the cold splash of water on the face and that's just the way it is true I, i'm a little bit selfishly speaking i feel like um that i don't know uh, run, running new york owls and being part of owls americas uh it pisses me off that I've now got a hard sell. I've got a hard sell of saying, why should you come to a Sheffield Wednesday meetup or why should you be a Sheffield Wednesday spot? If you're if you're thinking of a, of a, of a football club um, to support as an American fan who's just coming into the the soccer kind of like pyramid, why are, why on earth would you follow Sheffield Wednesday at this point? And that has always been kind of, when I've been, when I've been over for 10 years now, it's always been kind of my kind of like selling, I'm also a salesman for the club. I don't really, I can't sell this. I can't sell this <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's the thing, right? You know, the sleeping giant thing works better when you're one season away from the Premier League and the glamour ties and when you're in a minimum, at a minimum too. And I don't, you know, I don't necessarily see a, a Wolves-like bounce back here. So, but isn't that a good thing? Like, um, We've got to drop the sleeping giant thing now. We're, we're not a sleeping giant. We're a dead giant. And we're, we're a dead giant that's atrophied and uh, we're not really that giant anymore. So we've got to reimagine. Like, And I know that's a cliche, but like, Paddy, to your point, like, you can't sell Sheffield Wednesday to a idle American who wants to follow Premier League soccer. But we can sell Sheffield Wednesday to a few thousand people who really like the idea of like a, a club that has heritage and has community and has identity and can be fun to follow. And all you have to do is switch that on. Like I, I've kind of been harping on about this. You go to Union Omaha, who are the other owls in America. They probably got, I don't know how many hundred fans, but they do a better job of selling the experience and selling being an owl than Sheffield Wednesday FC do right now. And like, so learn from that, you know, be humble, accept that we've made a mess of it, that we haven't got that talent. Let's find those partnerships. Let's find those, those people who know how to do social media, who know how to create an experience out of something that has so much to give. Like Sheffield Wednesday FC has so much depth of resource, whether it be history, whether it be fans, whether it be community, culture, whatever else. Like we can tap into all of that, no matter what league we're in. You just have to choose to do so. And I just want to see the club do that because if they do that, I will follow them. Whereas right, if I mean, the club just languors in malaise and just kind of goes mid table and doesn't make the right decisions, that'll be the point I'll switch off. You know, St. Pauli isn't a, a good parallel for this for a number of reasons, but you know, the idea that you can't like they're in Bundesliga two and have been for most of their 
history. Like it, you need, you need something for the fan. And again, obviously they have a, they have a worldwide fan base, but you know, you need something to connect the fans to the club. That's, it's as simple as that. It, like you watch, you don't necessarily, unless you're a front run again, that's the same thing. Like it, it's like trying to, you're not going to convince the Brit that wants to follow baseball and be a Yankee fan to cheer for the pirates. You know, conversely, if somebody just wants to watch a, you know, a Premier League game at a bar or has you know, NBC Sports on their TV package, they're going to pick Arsenal probably because you know, pick Arsenal or maybe Leicester. I guess Leicester is probably the trendy one now if you don't want to be too, too much of a front runner. But, um, you know, you're not going to, you're not, you're just not, that fan is not out. Like even if Sheffield Wednesday were in the Premier League, like that fan is not rooting for West Ham in a lot of cases either. Like there's like five teams they will choose from, and that's that's fine. That's the marketing power of those clubs. You know that that's not we're not in that zip code. That's just not that is not able. That's not a thing. But you look at it. It's not. And one thing we've seen in the U.S. is, in some ways, and you mentioned Union Omaha already. Um, the you know whatever you say about the the soccer pyramid in the U.S. and God knows we've said a lot over the years and could continue to say things about it they do seem to get the idea of connecting with the community pretty well because they have to really, they don't have the power of a bit of a far reaching TV deal. Although a lot of these games are streamed. They have to be in the community. They have to get fans to come out and create that local connection. You know, Wednesday is still going to have, I follow in league one. So you can still get the games on here. So you have that available. And Yeah. We're not, Patty, you're not going to be running a 75,000 strong supporters group probably anytime soon, but I don't think you want that level of uh, admin anyway. <laughs> True. I'm struggling with the people who got my name. <laughs> uh, that's a good point, though, Jeff. Uh, the difference between being League One last time and League One this time in America is that you can watch every game still. Yeah. Uh, and that we're not going to attract new fans, but at least the fans that are here could still follow. Um, so it's a good point. We'll still be down at Football Factory. Um, it's League One Corner. It's a it's a community. There'll still be people in New Orleans watching it. There'll still be people around the, the America watching it. If anything, it's, it adds to our history and our metal, right? It adds to the the kind of like character of a Sheffield Wednesday fan, uh, especially in America. Uh, if you're going to a bar at seven a.m. in the West Coast to watch a League One game, good luck trying to get it on TV. Um, so fair, fair play. Look, it's another. Fucking blow to the Sheffield Wednesday uh, psyche. Oh, right. So, so that's another good. notch on the bed coast, bedpost. The other thing bed you have coat. to keep in mind, I think, is the the blow to the ego only really applies to. I mean, I, I guess English fans of roughly our age, because the only ones that really remember the good times, right? Like coming to an American audience, like they don't remember Waddle and Hurst, and like and like some that's gonna be some gatekeeping, right? There's gonna be some some fans in Yorkshire that will never accept them for that, but, or cause they're not, you know, going to away days or whatever, but that's, they don't have that anchor either. Right. They can just watch the games and enjoy the games and see them for what they are and not a, you know, fun house mirror reflection of the, so I, I don't think we need to cup or whatever. About it. Yeah. Cause we, we're always going to have that. Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, when it's when it's required, we're always going to have the 30 second video that we can link onto Twitter of John Sheridan scoring at Wembley yeah. or of Chris Waddle kind of celebrating his free kick or whatever else. It, it's about what we do with it now. It's not about what was. It's not about how people came here. It's to your point, Paddy, it's we've got these fans. They're going to be able to follow us next season. So let's make it something. Let's make it an adventure. Let's make it a journey. Let's make it fun. And then at some point, people will start to pay attention if we do it right. It's it's that simple. Um, one thing I will say, though, bringing it to a conclusion, Jeff, getting out of League One this time, I'm not bloody doing it by the playoffs. I'm not doing it on the last day of the season against Wickham. We are going up with 100 points and somebody showed us how to do that. So let's see if we can play their playbook. <sighs> You've listened to episode 140 of the Owls Americas. You can follow us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show to owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no long way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask you to rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Patty, you did mentioned that you put together a starting 11 for league one next year so let's hear it oh frick i've just got rid of it um <laughs> so i mean it was um basically is it literally left. just the 11 players that are still under yeah. contract <laughs> yeah but it doesn't look that bad if everyone's if everyone's fit it's not that bad um it is I'm, if I'm everyone's ahead. fit the sheffield wednesday story yeah so obviously we're stuck with like either wilds or dawson and goalkeeper um we've got i offer Brennan, Dunkley, Urgide, possibly. Yeah. Uh, we haven't got a left back that I'm aware of, unless we put Ryan Galvin in there. So we could play that three-five-two with that, that those people there. We're still at Luongo. Remember, still at Luongo. Yes. I mean, it could get sold again <laughs> could if everyone's injured. fit. Yeah, Luongo's a brilliant championship player. Yeah. So to have him in League One would be a crazy thing. But Bannon again, similar to Luongo. So we didn't really, really talk about that. Do you think I, I don't really see a scenario where Bannon's still here in the squad next year? Uh, me neither. If I'm honest with you, I'd be surprised if Luongo, Iorfa, and Bannon are still there. Um, yeah, I mean, Iorfa, yeah. I mean, Bannon especially probably only has one more move in him. So if they're there at the beginning of the season, I'd be happy with that because sure. it means they're fit. And I can see them being, if they had a good half a season in League One, maybe that's someone coming from in Championship uh, in January. Uh, but, I mean, if we keep all of any of those three, I'd be very happy. Um, I think they're very good Championship players and mainly League One players. Um, and Iorfa's been training last week, so. So, yeah, I think Iorfa uh, is a great starter. Uh, as it's longer and up front you've got Patterson and Windass uh, we ain't got wingers we've got Andre Green um, that's the main problem at the moment and fullbacks obviously um, but Patterson and Windass are a, a serviceable League One strike force um, I would like I would like someone else <laughs> someone six foot nine <laughs> I'm not sure if I want six foot nine lanky guy from non-league well, football you know it's you say that but one of the major issues were all the crosses going a foot over the striker's head. So he solves that. I'd rather just sign players that can cross a ball <laughs> to, to normal size people. Uh, 
<laughs> James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, what are you going to do this summer instead of watching Sheffield Wednesday? I'm going to go on a recruitment drive. I think for Sunday league footballers in Solihull, um, <laughs> this this may be the answer. There's like an untapped vein of talent that we're going to feed into League One and take us to the championship. Um, I am debating whether or not to uh, to flaunt this new vaccinated status and go across the pond and go and see England. Um, maybe even get into a stadium in August. Who knows? Maybe I'll go to Accrington. We'll see when the fixtures come out. <laughs> Is it August seventh is the first game of the season that was it's been touted at the moment? I believe so. Yeah, I think I saw the, about... the fixtures come out at the end of June, right? So, yeah. like, you know, before we know it, we're going to know our uh, our path for the next twelve months. So we have a whole host of places to get to know, interesting enclaves of Britain, um, places that we haven't talked about on this podcast. So Justin is going to have a field day. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Nostro. and I look forward to all of that, but it will not be next week. <laughs>